Thank you for joining us today for the Christ First podcast. Today we have Jason Allred with us. So go ahead, Jason, and share with us why you choose to put Christ First in your life. Well, thanks for having me. Um, This means a lot. First off, let me just tell you a little bit about my background. Um, I was raised in a church. I had great parents. I'm adopted, but I was adopted as a baby. So it's, I mean, I've been in that same home for, you know, my entire life and I'm 58. Don't know if your listeners care about that or not, but it does become important. I had great parents. I mean, we, uh, we were very active in the church. I watched my parents serve. Um, service was a big deal for them. Uh, they served in, in leadership callings and I, I watched them. I watched my father be a wonderful home teacher. Um, it was very important to him. I was his companion. He set a great example for me. But I will just say, you've heard the term borrowed light. Um, I think that I, my testimony was, was uh, in my youth, was on borrowed light. Um, even up through my mission, you know, when I, when I went on my mission, I would love to tell you that I was altruistic and I went because I loved the Lord. Now, that sounds really bad. I would like to say that. But I went because it was what you did. I went out of obedience. It was the box that you checked off when you turned 19 years old. Just like when you were 12, you got your, you got the Aaronic Priesthood, you became a teacher at 14, a priest at 16, got Melchizedek Priesthood at 18. Um, but I don't say that in any way to denigrate my parents. I want to make that very clear. I just want to say, just want to say that because uh, it's important. Um, my, my own testimony came to me later in life. Um, I didn't gain it on my mission. I mean, it, it helped while I was there, but once again, I went on a mission because it was what you were supposed to do. I was obedient. I don't feel like I was a liar testifying that Jesus is the Christ and that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God. I don't believe I was a liar at that because it was just, it was what I knew at the time. But up to that point in my life, I hadn't had any sort of a big spiritual aha about the Book of Mormon, about Joseph Smith, about the Savior. I loved the Savior. I didn't, I, I knew he was the Savior, but that that special emphasis in your life of just knowing that he's the Son of God, I wouldn't say was there at that time. One of the first watershed moments that came to me about my witness that Jesus is the Christ and that this is his church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is his kingdom on earth. I was sitting in an airport early one Sunday morning in Spokane, Washington. Uh, this was many years ago, and I was reading a magazine article waiting for my plane. And this article, um, I, I, I believe it was in Time magazine. I can't be certain. doesn't matter. But the article basically was talking about how all of these religious scholars had come together at a conference to determine um, the doctrine of the church, not of our church, of a so-called church. And they used colored marbles to decide particular doctrines of the church. Was Jesus Christ the Son of God? And then they would vote on it. And how many ever color if there were more colored marbles than clear marbles or something, then yes, their official doctrine was that Jesus is literally the Son of God. And and other doctrines of the church, Trinity, baptism by immersion or by sprinkling, whatever the case might be. Um, But that's how they determined. And I remember reading the article thinking, how odd, how how odd that is that? 
Now this was a fast and this was a fast Sunday. It was the first Sunday of a month. So I was flying back to Utah. At that time we lived in Layton, Utah. And it was fast and testimony meeting. And um, our church was in the afternoon, so I was able to fly to Salt Lake and be in Layton at time to to go to sacrament meeting. And um, I just felt prompted to to get up and bear my testimony because of what I had read and how odd it was for me and how I'm glad that I know from the Holy Ghost and from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. There, no one needs to vote on that for me, that he's the son of God. As I stood at the pulpit bearing my testimony, I was, I just became completely overcome. I, 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 when I walked up to the pulpit, I was just fine. My heart was beating as it always does when we go out to bear our testimonies. But as I just kind of quickly explained, I, uh, to the members of the congregation, I had read this article, um, and I just explained the context of why I was standing there and talking. And then I started to bear my, bear my testimony of what I knew. Here's what I know. I don't need colored marbles or rocks to tell me. And as I started to, especially as I started to bear my witness that I knew that Jesus was the son of God, that he was our savior and our redeemer, I was just completely overcome with the spirit to the point I could no longer speak. I stood there, you know, it seemed like just hours because I, I couldn't gain my composure. I just could not gain my composure. I was trying everything I could to get the words out, you know, and um, was finally able to get down there and uh, uh, to get it uh, to bear my testimony of the things that I knew, uh, that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, that Joseph Smith did see God the Father and and uh, Jesus Christ, and that the Book of Mormon did is the Word of God. And when I went back to my seat, I just I was still just overcome. I was overcome for the rest of the meeting. I just could not gain my composure. And uh, but the Spirit just bore witness to me. Then you now know that I have had over the period of my life um, these wonderful moments where. You are still there, Heavenly Father. You know, you're there and you love me. And, you know, and so another, you know, the foundation gets another another brick, you know. Unfortunately, some rocks or bricks, whatever you want to call them out of my foundation, falls out, you know. And then I, I have to get back in there and, and strengthen that foundation again through repentance. Um, I love repentance. That word, it really is not a negative word to me. for what we knew when we came to this world. I don't know for sure what we knew we would experience individually. I think we had a very good idea of what we could experience. Like we're going to have, there will be illness and, and there will be injuries and, um, you know, you will have people who are experience these kinds of, of trials, but I don't think we had a, a perfect understanding of what we would face. I feel like the only thing we knew would be a guarantee was that we would lose loved ones and we would die eventually but it's it's so significant to me how out of everything that we go through in this life the one thing that we all will experience is losing a loved one and yet that is still the hardest thing that we will go through in this life uh you've lit a memory for me too that another one of those i guess i'll use watershed moments we'll just repeat your listeners may get sick of hearing that but um, you just brought up another one of those. Um, 
my my uh, father um, uh, passed away um, after a, after about a I don't know a two and a half three week illness, um, so we didn't have to watch him suffer a lot. And, and he was eighty six when he passed away, and and uh, <clears throat> I had I had witnessed you know when I was in high school I had witnessed some schoolmates who had some tragic accidents and, and passed away. And and I, I witnessed those things, and of course those were hard. Those those were hard. They they were they were hard times. And and I had I had grandparents. I remember attending my grandfather's funeral when I was nine years old. And and uh, I've had grandparents pass away. And I had also had my wonderful mother and father in law pass away before I had lost my parents. Both of my wife's parents had passed away. And so I you know I had experienced that. But when my own father passed away. And I was able to be there in the room as his heart stopped beating with him and, and my siblings and my mother. And uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a hard time. Um, but um, my father passed away in Provo. My parents, I grew up in Carbon County in Price, Utah, and Helper. That I, I grew up in, in, a, in Spring Glen, Utah, a little town right near Helper. And um, my parents had lived there, you know, their whole lives. And and dad passed away at uh, the specialty hospital in Provo, at the, at the mouth of Provo Canyon. And my sister didn't want my mom to drive home alone after she had just lost her spouse. So my sister asked me to, if I would drive my mom's car and, you know, I would take it to my home up in the Wasatch Front and then come down the following day with mom's car. My sister would take mom home. When I got in, when I got in the car, I'm a big fan of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan, huge fan of the choir. I love music. I'm a musician. I'm a pianist. I've composed some of my own things. So music's very important in my life. And as I got in the car, and I started the car, I don't know if you're familiar with the. It's the song's called Alleluia, starting with an A, not the Hallelujah chorus, but the, it, but the men of the Tabernacle Choir, and all it is is just. Alleluia over and over again. It's just this haunting melody. But my dad, my dad loved it, and so did my mom. And when when they turned on the car, that song came on. And it brought me a lot of peace. Um, I just I felt like, okay, there's no accidents here. And I I drove back to our home up in the Salt Lake Valley, and then the next day went back down and was so involved, Mom. <laughs> Mom asked me to not only speak at the funeral, but she asked me to play do two musical numbers to play and sing two different musical numbers and speak. So I had to gear myself up. I had to keep my emotions just really um, shoved down because, you know, I just, I was not going to embarrass myself. And so I went, you know, we went through the whole process of planning the funeral and then having the, you know, the, the viewing and the funeral. And um, we were at the grave. He's buried in price. And, and, um, and uh, so we went through all of that. And then I was just standing there uh, at my dad's burial site, and my kids were, like, ready to go, Dad. And I said, no, just just give me a minute. And I thought they had walked away, but I stood there, and finally I was able to let that emotion go. And just praying in my heart, please let everything that we've taught be true. You know, please let it be true. I know this is just his body. Please let me know, know that his spirit is in the spirit world. And then I'm going to see him again. And 
again, I lost it thinking I was all alone. And I, you know, I guess I just was, you know, shuddering and my shoulders going because I was just sobbing because I had held everything in so that I could stay composed during it. And then my wife and my sweet children, next thing I felt arms around me. Um, a few days or probably maybe a couple weeks later, I was sitting in her home in, in Lehigh and, um, uh, I was missing dad. My sisters had allowed my, my siblings had allowed me to take dad's canes and I had a couple of his canes over in a corner and I was having a rough morning and I was really missing my dad. Um, because when I would have those mornings, I would call him on the phone or I'd call mom on the phone. And I was just saying a silent prayer, you know, where, you know, boy, dad, I wish I could speak to you. I just wish I knew you were there. In, in our family, this was in our living room, and in our family room, I had on music and a spoken word. And as I ended that prayer, the song they sang was Hallelujah. The men of the Tabernacle Choir sang Hallelujah. And it just, almost in an open vision, I saw my father, dressed in white, ascending what was much like if have you ever been to the to the Manti pageant? And you know when that couple ascends at the very end of the, the angels, you know, when they light the temple and things. I just saw in my mind's eye my father ascending that in white and the angels welcome, singing that song. And I knew there was that tender mercy. And, okay, so now there was this, another one of those bricks went into my foundation that Heavenly Father was mindful of me. And... I can now stand even more firm in saying, I know that there is a life beyond this earth and that we are going to be um, reunited together as a family. And um, as mom passed away about five years, five years later, once again, I found myself at her gravesite, but I was not near as questioning because that answer would mean I knew that she was with my dad. And that they were happy and that they were doing a work that, that was so wonderful and so powerful for all of us here on earth. And whatever that is, maybe helping us find names for temples or, or they're teaching the gospel to people that we're going to eventually, you know, what they're doing. But I know that they're, I know that they are together now. They are happy. They are healthy. And so it was just, you know, at moms, though I was a mama's boy, I am a mama's boy, um, just like my son as a mama's boy to my wife. But um, I just, it, so it wasn't as hard. I, I ached because I missed mom, but at that gravesite, it was just different than it was with dad because I'd had the experience with dad's passing and my testimony had been strengthened then. And so I, the questions weren't, oh, please let it be. It was like, I really miss you, but I am happy for you. I miss you with all my heart, but I am happy for you you know, versus with my dad. Oh, please let it be true. Please let it be true. Let me know I'm going to see him again. My life has not been perfect. And um, my wife and I, we have, we got married very, we got married very young, right after my mission. She was 18, I was 21. And, you know, we had a lot of growing up to do. Marriage was a struggle. It, 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 it is a struggle. Um, I love her with all my heart, but we've had 
we've had some we've had some struggles um you know we studied today in in um elders quorum a, a talk by elder mark bragg where he talks about poise i've lost my poise many many times i'm in, sad to say and there was a time not too long ago actually where i finally had just felt you know i love my children so much Right now, they're not wanting to be active in the in the gospel, so I might as well be with them. I love them, and I want to be with them. And so that's what I did, and my wife as well. And so I chose, openly chose, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm done with all this. And I, I don't know, walked away from living the gospel the way that I had been trying to live it. And... Um, you know, instead of going to church on Sundays, we would go with our kids to Mountain America or to the beach or someplace else. That's what we did on Sundays. You know, it's family, you know, and you say it's family togetherness. That's a good thing. So, you know what? Let me just say, I don't need to go into a lot of details. I was absolutely miserable. When you walk away from the Spirit of the Lord, when you walk away from the things that you know are true for any reason, wickedness never was happiness. It just wasn't. And I'm only speaking for me right now. I just absolutely was not happy. And um, the thing that really kept me going was the one thing that I did not do was stop reading the Book of Mormon. I stopped praying. What was the point was my question. I stopped fasting. What was the point? I'd fasted and fasted and fasted and fasted and fasted and none of it had ever, you know, for my, for my kids and for my family and for, you know, my life or other aspects of my life that just, and those answers just weren't coming. They weren't being answered in the way I wanted them. And that's the thing in the way I wanted them. But I never stopped reading the book of Mormon. Never. Um, I just, I, I just, and, and, and it literally was reading the Book of Mormon that just said, that just yelled at me, stop, stop the insanity, repent, you know, repent and come back and you're going to get blessed. And so, you know, I just... And it's hard, you know, when you, you know, when you go, it, it is, it, 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 inactivity and, and, um, leaving the Lord behind, it just, you know, you, you do it for a week and then pretty soon it becomes a month and then it becomes multiple months. And, but coming back isn't as easy, you know, because Satan thinks he's got you and he knows that if he's got me, he can, you know, he can take down a lot of people with me. And I just was not going to let that happen. And, and he and I, we battled. We just battled and battled and battled. And I, I, I went to, to my bishop uh, just as sad as I could be and as sorry as I could be. And I just told him the way that I felt. And he, you know, just wrapped his arms around me and just, I, you know. But I... I, I uh, I just give the credit to the spirit, not letting me 
give up the Book of Mormon. The Book of, I just, I'm telling everybody who's listening to this. President or Elder Holland gave that talk in 2009 called Safety for the Soul about the Book of Mormon. And I am telling you that that needs to be read and reread and read and reread. And the, I, I, that, and that is not the only time that the Book of Mormon, because I have had other times in my life where I, I didn't openly rebel and decide to leave the church, but I just got so busy with life that, and I was in my travels, I was working in corporate America and I was traveling all over the country and parts of the world. And, you know, you miss one Sunday becomes four Sundays, you know, just like, you know, as I was just saying, and pretty soon I don't find myself active, not because I, I was openly rebelling, but just, I had other things to do. And, you know, and I would see other people that weren't members of the church and they were just really, really good people. And, and Satan saying, see, you know, you don't have to be a member of the, you know, the, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints doesn't have the market on good things. You know, they're great people, you know, those, and, and that's not, that's not a lie. We don't have the market on it, but I'm saying he was saying that so that I could feel, oh, it's okay. You know, if I, you know, I'll get back to church. I'll get back to church. Once again, the one thing I didn't stop doing was reading the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon, I have, I, I just, it, it's the word of God. It is safety for the soul. I, I, leave, I give you my testimony just as Elder Holland gave his testimony to the world that it is the word of God. It's true. It is the most correct book that's ever been written. And, and it, it, is, it, is, it has kept me close to the Savior. Okay, that's, that's my point. The Book of Mormon, it is another testament of Jesus Christ. That's what I want people to know. It is another testimony of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the, the sole focal point of that book. Uh, and so that's why I love it so much. And it, and it has been such a lifeline for me and has kept me, kept me grounded. And it's the first place that I'll go when, when I'm, you know, when I've had it with life, when I've had it with the world. You know, I, I suffer from severe depression. I have for many, many, many years. Dark, black, but the, the Book of Mormon and the teachings of Jesus Christ, being able to go in there and, I mean, if I could read, can I read one of my favorite scriptures? Well, I'm going to do, do two. Um, so the first one is Alma in the Book of Mormon, chapter 7, verses 11 through 12. And this is one you've probably read a hundred times, Carly, and everybody that's listening probably has. But it says, And he shall go forth suffering, pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind. And this that the word might be fulfilled, which saith, He will take upon him the pains and the sicknesses of his people. And he will take upon him death, that he may loose the bands of death which bind his people. And he will take upon him their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities. And then second one, then Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 32, where Paul says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That's scripture all of us. Everybody knows that one. But the next scripture is the one that just really touched my heart. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? It just, that just entered me like, I've heard the term liquid fire. It just was like, Heavenly Father did not spare this perfect, 
righteous son, he let him suffer, not, you know, not only just die, but suffer and die an ignominious death, just, uh, you know, just as terrible death as you could imagine. If he was willing to do that, why on earth would he spare me from receiving the blessings or not give me the blessings of what that atonement is for? I can't point to one event. It's just, there's just all these little wonderful experiences. Some are bigger than enough. Some are just very, very small. And, you know, you hardly recognize them, but you know that, that it was Heavenly Father's doing. But, you know, it's just, and that's, that's what keeps, that's what keeps me going is, is knowing that Heavenly Father cares about the one. He cares about the one. You know, when we're in the temple, we don't walk into a baptismal font for a million people. We walk in for one person whose name is called as you do that ordinance for them. And it's said and it's spoken. Christ and our Father in heaven, they care for us individually. They, This whole gospel is about the one. I feel like it's so significant. You go through hours and hours of these ordinances for one single person. I feel like that's more so than anything um, showing us that it is one by one by one and giving us that opportunity for such an extended period of time to show us that we are children of God and we deserve that time with him to make those covenants and come closer to him. Something else that I'm really passionate about is it seems like we live in a world where everyone's searching to know their identity, and it seems like we're getting further and further from the mark. And so whether for you, whether it be from reading the scriptures or what experiences or things have you done in your life that have taught you your divine nature and and taught you that you are a son of God. The temple. Um, depression is... It is physically and emotionally painful. It is. And um, I've had some dark times with that. And I went into a bishop and I was, you know, I'm just struggling with everything and just felt like I was not worthy of my temple recommend. And I handed it to him and I says, I'm not worthy of this. So he went over the temple questions with me and he was like, Jason, you need to go to the temple more not less. This shouldn't be in my desk. This needs to be with you and you need to go to the temple every day that it's open. Do you think you can do that? And so I walked out of his office and you know, on that was a Sunday and I the next day I was in Provo on Monday cuz the Provo Temple is the one that's open on Monday and I was down there early Monday morning and I went and for 2 or 3 months I went to the temple every single day except Sundays and and I am telling you <laughs> that the temple is where I really understood that I am a divine son of heavenly father and that these beautiful children that I have are you know my my children, my grandchildren, they are divine. They are they're children of God. The part of your story which intrigues me so much is you continuously going back to the Book of Mormon. 
So what is it that even through your inactivity that kept you so close to the Book of Mormon and not giving that up? When I was a junior in high school at Carbon High School in Price, I was sitting in a seminary class. And in that year was the Book of Mormon. That was the study. And uh, Roger Branch was my seminary teacher. And we were uh, where we were studying the life of the bid and die. And uh, we had just kind of ended it, ended it, got to the completion of his life where he just, he's burned by fire. And I just, I just, I cannot even imagine that death, uh, the pain of that death. I, I mean, I just can't even imagine it. And uh, uh, I wouldn't say I was a, I'm not the cl- class clown. I took, I took seminary seriously. Um, but up to that point, seven years old, and once again, this is not my parents' fault. It's nobody's fault. I had never read the Book of Mormon. I, I, I don't think I'd even read, uh, I might've read the new Testament. I had not read the old Testament from cover to cover. Um, that doesn't, doesn't matter, but I had not read the book of Mormon and we're sitting there in class and, uh, brother branch, uh, turns to me and I don't know why he picked me out. It was, you know, but he turned to me and he asked me, so, uh, Jason, have you, have you ever read, have you read the book of Mormon cover to cover? I said, no, I haven't read it cover to cover. I've, I've read what, you know, our assignments are for here, but I've not read cover to cover. And he said, um, then answer me this question. How do you think you'll feel at some point in your life when you are beyond the veil and Abinadi walks up to you and asks you, did you read the Book of Mormon? And if at that point the answer is no, and he says, Why? He says, can you tell me, give me any answer that's going to satisfy him given the fact of what he suffered? You know, he sealed his testimony with his blood, with his flesh on fire. Is there anything that you'll be able to say that will, that will be a good reason as to why you didn't read the Book of Mormon? Um, and, and he didn't ask, he was not being mean to me as he's asking this. He was, uh, and, and the class was, everybody in the class was quiet. But once again, it was one of those things, once again, went into my heart with like liquid fire to the point that I went weeks just hearing him re-ask that question. And what would I say? What would I say? And I made a commitment during that time that I would never, miss the opportunity to read the Book of Mormon every year. And I was 17 and I'm now 58. I have never missed reading the Book of Mormon. And there are some years where I've read it multiple times. I think the greatest commitment that you can give is a commitment to yourself. Lastly, I'd like to ask you, how do you put Christ first in your life? You know, I have days quite simply where I just don't feel like Sometimes I feel like I I want to pray or I want to read my scriptures, but, and I know that these are the quote unquote primary answers, but I am just telling you those, uh, the basics. I mean, someone, I think in our sacrament meeting today talked about the basics is the basics. And so I, I do my very, very best to make sure that I read the word of God every day whether that's our come follow me and or the book of mormon i mean i i really try and do the book of mormon every day sometimes i can just 
open that Book of Mormon and uh, start reading. And before I know, it's five, six chapters I've read um, because I'm enjoying it so much. And then sometimes uh, a real struggle with day, I just open it up and I, you know, I'll read two or three verses and then I might get five. And then, it, you know, it's so you just the good word of God is so, so vital. And then and then sometimes I'll have prayers where I just it's just prayers of gratitude those tend to give me a lot of strength and then there's times where i just i'm especially when the depression kicks in you know it's like I, it's rolling out of bed and getting on my knees takes an hour's worth of effort because i just you know and i'm just battling to do it and sometimes i just have to lay in my bed and pray with you know there with my head on my pillow versus on my knees but don't don't stop praying and don't stop reading the word of God. I'm telling you the words of President Nelson, President Oaks, President Iring, and those other those twelve apostles, those you know, when they're when they're teaching from the from the Spirit, that is scripture. So maybe that's what you do if you just if you can't understand Isaiah or you, you know, when you're in the second when you're in Nef, in second Nephi, you know, and then fine. Have that latest conference edition on your bedstand and read from that, but nourish yourself with the good word of God. The spirit that you've brought into my home. I'm so thankful. Are there any last thoughts or impressions that you would like to share? Well, I just once again, want to just say how I know with all of my heart that, uh, Jesus is the Christ. And, uh, he is our Savior and our Redeemer. He's our Lord and He's our King. And I know that this is His church. I know this is His kingdom on earth. Um, I've known it in good times and I've known it in bad times. It's just never changed. This is His kingdom on earth. And I know that He loves each and every one of his children, members of the church, non-members of the church. He loves his children, and he will find a way. He will find a way that they will all be able to experience, um, you know, their own testimonies of who he is. You know, truly every knee, every knee will bend, and every tongue will confess that he's the Christ. And, but I just leave my testimony that he is. He is the Savior and the Redeemer of the world, and that he loves us, and our Heavenly Father loves us. I'm so grateful. I am so grateful that I was raised in this gospel. I'm so grateful that I've had these watershed moments that have brought me back from the brink and have given me strength and peace. And um, I love it. And I leave that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Please join us again next Friday for another episode of the Christ First Podcast.